The story tonight um, is a story, it's a fun story for me because I've had a lot of history. As Paul said last week, these are my boys. <laughs> um, I just, I love these guys, Jonathan and David. It occurred to me last week, Paul, 70, almost 71 years old, saying, these are my boys. <laughs> Paul's been walking with Jonathan and David for 50 years, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's pretty heavy stuff, right? There's some, uh, tonight we're talking about Jonathan as armor bearer, and if you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Samuel 14, talking about men of courage. When we talk about Israel's history and when Saul was king, we go to, quickly go to David and Goliath and, and, um, just, you know, how that turned the tide for the kingdom. Uh, this, this story is set in the scene with Israel that really is on the brink. Uh, the whole kingdom is near falling apart. The people were pleading, please give us a king, Samuel. And Samuel, you know, walk, talks to God and God says, okay, and, and all the things that come with having a king. Well, the problem is, is now Samuel's getting older and his, his sons are corrupt and we begin to see some of the character issues within Saul that uh, here he was appointed, but because he was more of a man pleaser than a God pleaser, uh, just <laughs> it wasn't working out so well. Saul was losing; he was disfavored with God, and um, so the, that that impacts how you lead. Uh, just there's quite a character study behind that. the The kingdom is on the kingdom is on the brink of falling apart. They've already uh, faced some defeats. If you read through 1 Samuel up until this point in chapter 14, it's defeat after defeat after defeat. And what we find here is Jonathan and his armor bearer that are just ready to take the hill, and we'll look at the text in a second. But where are all the other guys? Where are all the other Israelites in this, in this moment in time? Tell me, guys, where, where are the guys at? Where, where are his countrymen? They're scared. They're hiding in caves because they're fearing for their lives. That's a, you can take the metaphor, symbolism that wherever you'd like, but it's a pretty hopeless situation and something musters in these guys um, that would spur some courage on. Let's pick it up in chapter 14. Now the detachment of Philistines had gone out to to the pass at Michmash, and one day Jonathan the son of Saul said to the man bearing his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. He's got father issues. (laughs) Saul was staying on the outskirts of Geba under the pomegranate tree at Migron. With him were about 600 men. I think they were facing 30,000, something like that. There's some pretty significant um, challenges with the odds. With him, with Saul, 600 men among him will, will Ahazah who was wearing the ephod, and the son of Echabod, brother of Etobah, son of Phaeus, son of Eli, the Lord's priest at Shiloh. 
No one was aware Jonathan had left. Each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff, one called Boaz, Bozes, and the other Sina. One cliff towards the north, towards Michmash, and the other towards the south of Geba. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come, let us go over to the outpost of the uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said then, let us cross over towards the men and let us see us. If they, if they say to us, wait there until we come up with you, we'll stay here. We'll stay where we are and not go up. But if they say, come up to us, we'll climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hand. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they're hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his arbor bearer, come up to us and we will teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In the first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in the area of about a half acre. When everything was against all odds, something stirred in these guys, the courage, to the point that says, here's the battle tactic, right? <laughs> let's, let's use this as a sign that they're, God's going to just do something here and, and we'll see that they're falling over or they're sick or they're disorganized or they're half asleep. No, it's, it's on when the guys are on the offense and ready for them, right? <laughs> that the courage is stirred and they, and they have, they have the confidence to still advance even when the guys are ready for them. Where in the world does that kind of courage come from? When everyone around you, everyone around you is discouraged and disheartened. I'd like to suggest a couple of things tonight for you guys to think about relating to maybe some things that you're facing. It didn't, this is Jonathan's moment that uh, he could literally do a movie about it, probably be R-rated, but this didn't just happen. There was a, a training that had to take place. If you read in the text, you'll notice that Saul and Jonathan were the only ones with the proper tools. They had mattocks and plowshares and and farming tools. His whole countrymen, that's all they had. They were ill-equipped for the battle. So no wonder they were hiding in the caves. They, They didn't even have the right stuff for battle. Jonathan could have taken the Saul, Saul, his dad's sword, but he didn't. He took the one thing that he had been trained with, and he went out with his armor bearer. And guys, let me just encourage you a little bit tonight and a little bit of what's going on here in the net. There's a training that some of this stuff is a lifetime of preparing for 
some of the battles we're facing. And the battles are coming at all different levels, relationally, personally, um, things in our past, things that we're preparing for in the future. Really, guys, what is, what is the training ground that you are preparing for? Because there is a battle. If it's not here already, it's coming. And if, it, if anything, let me cast a little vision into what we're preparing for as the net. And I've shared some of that. But what are you preparing for? And literally letting that govern you every day. We've got some soldiers in the room that you can look at them and just know that they, their, their life is part of a preparation for the day of battle that's going to come. Isn't that right? There was a man that walked in my house last weekend. His daughter was there and we just met them and daughter was over for a little school project. And this guy, when he came out of the truck, and I'm just like, man, something about you just doesn't look quite right. I mean, the guy, you know, buzz cut and high and tight. And I mean, he was just, you know, I mean, I just kept looking at him. He was just like this. And I almost like, there's just something missing about you. And it, it hit me later when he left because he was a friendly guy. And he was, I found out he was a medic, but. I mean, he was, you know, he was an army ranger and he'd been over for 10 years and he just got back in July and he was trying to assimilate back into some sort of normal life and he wanted to be a dad. And, but I mean, it hit me what was wrong with that guy. And when he left, it dawned on me, it looks like that guy should be wearing full body armor (laughs) because that's what he's built for. That guy has had a decade of training or more and just that was a reality, you know, that we see more in our soldiers. I've never fought in a battle. I don't know what kind of soldier I would be. I don't know if I would get to the line and what kind of courage would muster inside of me. But just like with Jonathan, his armor bearer, it didn't just happen because of one spontaneous moment of courage. The backdrop was how many years of training that went into that moment. And guys, let me just encourage you just to be steady and faithful that every day of your preparation and training does matter, guys. It does matter. Colonel Ted Severin's going to talk to us about training in a few weeks. I can't wait to hear about that. A heart of courage. There was something in that guy that it didn't matter. He was ready to charge hell with a squirt gun, and he did. And there was something in a heart of courage. And where where does that heart of courage come from I don't know exactly what it feels like I know what it is to look in the eye of a guy who's completely lost all hope and when you lose hope you lose courage you're discouraged but I also know what it is to stand in front of a man that is filled with so much hope and so much life that he is a man of courage and man that courage gets all over me. And I just feel myself like that. Pastor Garvin is that kind of man for me. Paul Stanley is that kind of man to me. These men that are going to come and teach in the weeks to come, these are men that something about their presence breathes courage into me. And so, what spurred that on? I would suggest to you that we'll get into this just in a second. Just having... What kind of courage was in his, the armor bearer? 
the armor bearer was like, do all that's in your heart because I am with you. He had the same heart. Did you notice in the language of the text, the uncircumcised? It's the same language that we see almost verbatim from, from Jonathan. We see that coming out of David later. It is that attitude, that same belief of who God is that would stir the faith inside of this man. And, and the reason I want to emphasize this issue of faith is because what is keeping his countrymen in the caves? Fear. Guys, I just want to stop right here. I just want to invite you just to take a look and just answer the question. Are you a man tonight filled, full of faith, or have you got fear that's locked you down? And fear will just absolutely cripple you and put you in the cave of whatever you're facing. But for you to take that posture and take that fear and confess that and lay that down and take up a posture of believing that God is bigger than all this, that the same God that can knock down a nine-foot Goliath, the same God that can create a skirmish and and allow these guys to knock out 20 guys in a half-acre field is the same God that's walking with you in whatever you're facing today. So guys, how are you training? Where's your heart? Is it discouraged? If, it's, if you need courage to walk with you, what kind of fear have you locked into your heart? I invite you to confess that tonight. I invite just a new view of God that can fill you with so much faith and belief that you'll be looking at whatever you're facing and say, those uncircumcised Philistines, how dare they? And who are the brothers in your fight? Who are the men you're walking with? If you don't have any, this is a good place to start. Guys, I want to share with you just a little bit of confession. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare as we get into some of the New Testament stuff. But since the net has begun, my uh, awareness of spiritual warfare has just is off the chart, as you guys can imagine. And then Carrie and I talk about this. It's the, the lie of the week. The lie of the week for me comes in the form of fear. Yesterday's lie that just about had me on all fours was, I'm cursed. I'm cursed. There's enough things, decisions that I've made failures in my business or things that I misstep or did wrong. I'm an entrepreneur. So by the nature of that, I take risk. That's what I do. You put yourself out there, you stand up, you put your head up, you're a leader. Let's try the net. Let's do this. Let's engage in a business deal. Sometimes it doesn't always go the way you expect. You try to walk with as much grace and humility and character and integrity in those things, but sometimes it doesn't go the way you expect. Yesterday, it was just bombardment of a decade of disappointments that literally would say, I'm cursed. 
my business is cursed or whatever. And the whispers of the Lord, particularly on my business, which is just such bogus. And particularly this morning, the Lord whispers. And sometimes the whispers of the Lord is just like screaming loud, breathes courage and life into me. And it was because of my business that took me all the way to Russia to put office furniture on the Volga River in Samara, Russia, seven years ago that led me to streetwalk, praying for expected mothers, that God deposited a seed so big into me that 15 months later we brought home my son, Grady. God can do a whole lot through a whole lot of different ways, but for whatever reason, he chose to use my business to open a door for me to adopt my son. Guys, I want to charge you just to be very aware. As First Peter, it says, cast all your cares on the Lord because what? He cares for you. And what's the very next verse? Be alert. Clear-minded. Self-controlled. That's the posture that we need to take as men. Because what? The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour. You guys ever connected that? The connection between your ability to cast your cares and burdens, whatever has just got you walking like this, spiritually, emotionally, some of you guys are like that, where you can't even see it coming. The very next thing that is we get released because we're trained to do it, then we're ready and we're clear-minded and we're sober and we're alert and we can see that jerk coming with whatever little target. And every lie is different for every guy. And it's, it's not difficult, guys. It really isn't. Jesus models for us, you know, the three words, right? He's in the wilderness. The temptations come. It is written, Right? Speak the truth, lies go away. Resist the Lord, the devil, he will flee from you. This battle that's going on here, what's the difference between these two guys climbing the hill, advancing against the enemy, where every other man around him is held up for his life? I want to have that kind of courage. Let's see what happens next. Verse 15, then a panic struck the whole armor in the camp in the field and those outposts and raiding armies. The ground shook and it was a panic sent by God. Guys, that's what I'm praying for with the net. It doesn't matter how many guys come and go from New Life Church. It only takes two guys to create a panic that an army of 30,000 Philistines, that two guys filled with courage, can do something so bold and audacious that everyone in the caves are going, are you kidding me? And that guys that take on this kind of posture and strength and training and heart for God, filled with faith and not fear, that two guys can muster. That God would be so moved by that, that a panic would happen. 
and you would see the whole tide turn. I would suggest to you men that, that there is the story of Geba, which is Jonathan's first victory. But this is the first advance where the whole tide began changing up until when we see Goliath come in. This changed the entire posture where it pulled guys out of their caves and they didn't care what they had, pitchforks or, you know, farming tools or what, they didn't care. They went with what they had because of the courage of two guys. And you know what? That's what's so liberating about this story. Because that's really what we want, isn't it? We're looking and praying and believing for a move of God. That's revival, right? That's what, we're, that's what we're asking for. That's what we're looking for. But notice when the revival came. God, we're in the cave and we're praying. Come on, God. Yeah, maybe some of those guys were praying for Jonathan as armor bearer. They were the leaders. And, and there needs to be those guys. We need men that are filled with faith and courage. And guys that are f- faithful. I don't know when our day of battle is coming. But the day of training is here. That's what I'm praying for, guys. And God could do it. And you know what? Without a whole lot of hype and a whole lot of getting everybody pumped up in some way, we've just seen it in that man right there. Do you have any idea the legacy of Maddie, his wife, as children, generations impacted because of this decision. That's what we're talking about, guys. It's not about how many guys come in the net or how many hundreds or whatever. It's the one guy who is a husband and a father and a business guy. One decision, one changed heart impacts Potentially the entire legacy. Who's your one guy? Who's your one guy that you're going to walk with? (coughs) I wrote up an article when I was in school. Couldn't believe it. It was eight years ago. I mean, must mean I'm getting older. Um, And to close, this is what I wrapped up my article with. Um... It was an observation of studying Jonathan and David's life and why when we see the, the first story of these two guys coming together, what in the world would possess a guy, the prince, the guy rightfully who's going to inherit the kingdom, what in the world would possess Jonathan at the very first meeting to give away the kingdom, to give away the royalty and, and make a covenant with a guy like David. What in the world would possess that? And my conclusion was it was in the preparation of their meeting, not just the initial meeting. That God had been preparing for years the heart of David, taking care of sheep and bears and stirring up the very things that we were just talking about in both Jonathan and David, that when they met, there was such a kindred spirit because this is the mighty man of Michmash who literally fought 20 and it caused a panic that changed the the entire tide. 
and he met the man who faced Goliath, that their stories were so parallel that their first meeting that you see a covenant that was formed in friendship. And this is what I wrote up, guys, and, and I think it applies here today. When friendship is used by God to build, the, to build up the fellow man, to serve the needs of the people, to expand the kingdom, we see the power of God unlocked to create a panic in the enemy's camp. It's the power of friendship, guys. It's not just to go have tea and cookies and say we're, we're friends, right? It's really what we're after here, isn't it? The power of friendship that literally because of what God may knit together because of decades of preparation to come together in a divine moment, maybe even tonight, that God is going to use that to create a panic in your area of influence. And this is really my prayer. Let me just invite you guys to close your eyes and let me just pray this as we finish. God, I want to be trained for spiritual battle. I want to have a heart after you, God. And I want to have a faith that's ready to act and a sacrificing love for my closest brothers. God, I just pray that you would anoint these men. You would just, as you have so divinely orchestrated these guys' stories, that you would just draw the net closer on brotherhood here within the net. There is so much going on in the lives of these men. And I pray for those guys. I know a couple guys that are at funerals today. I know guys that are dealing with sicknesses. I know guys that are dealing with just stuff in their work. There's just so much going on. There's dads at kids' lacrosse games. I mean, there's just good things going on, but there's tough things. But God, I just pray that you would knit the brotherhood of the men of New Life Church so that we can see a panic happen that uh, is caused by you, God. So we just pause with complete sincerity and pray that you would bring a revival that you would revive the men of the church you would revive families you would literally move the mountain beyond just financial debt but you would move the mountain of fear it pull men out of their caves and stir up faith and courage inside of the men of new life church god we love you with all that we are we thank you for the celebration of Maddie, and uh, we know there's a party going on in heaven because of his faith in Christ. I thank you for the story of brotherhood with Greg, and um, I pray that there'll be hundreds more like that here. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.